values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. just hear music that you can picture where you were when you were listening to this stuff. This reminds me of the beach when I was a kid. Uh, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Uh, hope the music cheers you up like it does me. We, we, we're going to do this on the show, I think, someday. We are going to do bad news over happy music. It's just the best way to tell these stories. Um, the Federal Reserve Chair, Jerome Powell, um, made a comment saying that it, that it, nobody knew. I want you to hear him talk about this. Nobody expected this. I don't know that it's changed since that was, uh, this is what, five, six weeks ago. Yeah. I was asked the question, has it narrowed? Is it still possible? And has it narrowed? Is it, it's definitely still possible. And it has narrowed because if you look over the course of this year, nobody expected us to raise rates this much. No one expected inflation to be this strong and this persistent and this, you know, to move up to have spread so broadly through the economy. And so to the extent we need to get keep rates higher or keep them higher longer, that's going to uh, narrow the path to a soft landing. On the other hand, if we get good inflation data and we get evidence that all the things that I talked about, if all those things start to swing the other way, then we could very much achieve this. See, the problem where Americans are, are so upset, at least the ones that I speak with, is that they did see this coming. We were Many people saw this coming. It was this administration. Either they were playing a political game and they didn't want to admit that inflation was coming or, or they honestly didn't know, which means they're inept. So – Pick your poison, which of those two is is worse, but it, it's happening. And for the people that are saying, and you're right, I, I mean, I will concede in a conversation. I'm not going to waver from my opinions, but I, I can concede in a conversation that there is worldwide inflation. It is not just in the U.S. It's happening all over the world. The issue I have and I've always had is what has this administration, specifically what are the policies of this president, what have they done to reduce inflation? What have they done to mitigate the damage? And I'm going to go through it one more time because I think it's worthwhile. There are things that they've said that are correct. We do know that the war between Russia and Ukraine has caused the price of oil, especially that heavier oil that's used for heating oil and diesel fuel. We know that that there's an increase in price because of that war. That's an absolute truth. That is truthful. Now, is it the sole problem? No, it isn't. But it has exacerbated that problem. We also know that part of the food shortage that we've had in this country is because so much of the world's wheat comes out of that region. The supply chain issues also contributed. All of this were were contributing factors. But where have been the policy shifts in the Biden administration in order to offset some of the causes of what's happening? And the answers are they haven't happened. As a matter of fact, this is where my argument is that it's specifically the policies of the administration have contributed to inflation. The policies with the oil companies, they have got such a mixed bag of policies that make no sense. On a number of issues, but in in this one particularly right now, the border issue, it's it's inconsistent. And we've talked about that, but it's an inconsistent policy when you say if you walk across the border, you come across the border, there is no mandate for vaccines. So you can drive down to Rocky Point. You can walk across the border as an American citizen. You can come back across the border in your vehicle, and there is no mandate for vaccines. But if you fly to Mexico, if you fly to a resort town, 
down and you come back into the country, when you come back into this country, you have to show that you've been vaccinated and boosted. If you are a visa holder, if you are someone that comes here as an essential worker and you have a visa to work in the United States, you have to show a vaccine record that you've been fully vaccinated in order for that visa to be useful and allow entry into our country. If you walk across the border legally or illegally, that requirement is not there. That's inconsistency. When it comes to their policy on oil, they said no to the Keystone Pipeline. Remember, they shut that down. That was gone. Now we've got a deal for six months to drill with Venezuela. We say no to oil companies, no new land, no leases onshore, no leases offshore. They can't have it both ways. They keep talking about all the oil leases that are going unused and that how they are just there's plenty of drilling that's going on out there. And the president continues to say to other groups of people, no drilling, no drilling, no drilling, no drilling. The oppressive actions they've taken as far as regulation goes. Why do you think the oil and this this is what doesn't make sense to me and it shouldn't make sense to you. The arguments are so easily beaten when you have a reasonable conversation with people at a time when diesel fuel is more expensive than ever, which means there's more profit in it. Why wouldn't our oil companies be refining more if they had the capability of doing it? The answer is the billions of dollars it would take to refab or reopen refining of fossil fuels, especially in this case, diesel fuel is so expensive. And we are being told they have been told by this administration that we are on the way of running you out of business. No one would do this. If you had an old car, if you had an old car that you were trading in in two weeks and the tires were bald and the guy at the shop said, listen, you know, you need four new tires. And you say, I'm trading in in two weeks. I'm not putting new tires on a car that I'm trading in in two weeks. That would be stupid. And that's just a car. That's a few hundred dollars, a thousand dollars on expensive or maybe more. But you're talking about a small amount of money in comparison to the vehicle value. But you're not doing that. Let the person that buys the car or where I trade it in, let them put new tires on it. I'm not going to go to the expense for a vehicle that I'm not going to own very soon. And that's the that's the issue here. And and the policies of this administration have contributed greatly to those costs. The heating oil expense in the Northeast, it is a huge expense that could be done. There are things that could be done by this administration that they're not doing. So we're not going to do business with Canada where the oil is cleaner, by the way. It's less polluting. The oil we get from Canada, that pipeline is gone. So what we're doing is we are opening up with, with, with a regime in Venezuela that is oppressive to their people, that is all the things that we say we stand against. And here we are. And so when I argue about the economy, when I argue, when you look at uh, companies now like DoorDash laying off of 1,250 of their executives, of, you know, of their office staff to, uh, to, to get rid of some of their expenses, we are starting to see the result of these interest rate hikes. Now, Jerome Powell said that they're expecting next month that the rate hikes will go down a little bit or will be less you know, in the future. But we're still going to see rate hikes. We saw uh, some some uh, recovery in the stock markets yesterday. The Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ all saw some gains yesterday. But what are we seeing in the long term? It's down 336 points right now, the Dow is today. So the financial world is still preparing 
for what's going to be bad news. The conversation about whether or not it's not all or nothing. It never has been. Usually conversations are not all or nothing. This is not 100 percent the fault of the Biden administration. I've admitted that from the beginning. But what people on the other side of this conversation are fighting to admit is that the policies of this administration have greatly contributed to this, especially when it comes to fuel costs. There is inconsistency in their policy. American oil companies are being told you can't drill for oil here. They're being restricted in in uh, financing, in exploration, in drilling, in refining with all of these EPA regulations here. And then the American oil companies are allowed to drill in Venezuela for six months. So is oil the problem or is the oil companies in America the problem? It's just a frustrating conversation to have with people. In a moment, we're going to talk about something. I haven't really talked about this. The uh, the seditious conspiracy conviction of the Oath Keeper leadership. What does this mean? Is this going to finally put a close to January 6th or is this just the beginning? We'll talk about it next. Hmm. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. what they say. Poor Prince had to die. Justin Bieber will live forever. It's just not fair in this world. Um, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show, as always. It's my Friday, so I'm in a little bit of a weird mood. Um, I haven't talked much about the January 6th stuff that's gone on, but there is a big story that's come out recently. They've been talking more and more about it. The Oath Keeper leader, his name is Stuart Rhodes, and another member of the right-wing militia group. This is a, I'm reading from a story. Were found guilty of seditious conspiracy Tuesday in connection with their actions during January 6th. Um, I want to go back to January 6th and, and kind of recap what happened in my mind. When I saw people that, that I aligned myself with, and what I mean, I don't mean the Oath Keepers. I mean people carrying Trump flags. I would I voted for Trump twice. I don't hide from what I've done. Um, I thought he was a, be- a much better choice than Hillary Clinton, and I thought he was a much better choice than Joe Biden when it comes to policies. Um, I thought he was much better. Um, and uh, listen, for a lot of people that are suffering with this high inflation, there was some, some validity to it. Now, there's a lot of people that say it would be worse under Trump, but I'm just saying I voted for the guy twice. To see people and my side of the aisle, what the, each side of the aisle makes a lot of claims about who they are. And then there are people's um, assumptions of who you are. Uh, Republicans are seen as older white men. Um, that's the face of the party. Is, is, uh, as untrue as that is, if you look around, that is the perception. We also carry around this patriotism thing. We call each other patriots. There's a whole group of us that call each other patriots. And – it is that they are law-abiding, law enforcement, veteran-supporting, military-supporting people. We love the country, don't desecrate the flag, all of those things. And I, I adhere to all of them. I think they're all terrific. Um, but to watch people that I align myself with politically storming the Capitol building 
And yeah, there were people that were let into the Capitol. There's no doubt. That is true that some of the doors were open and people were let in. That's true. But there were people storming that Capitol building. There were acts of violence committed against police officers. These are all things we all stand against. I stand against all of those things. When you see someone that you align yourself with politically hitting a police officer with a Trump flag, that's not who we are. That's not who we're supposed to be. So it broke my heart. I was in tears. Um, I am still one, and I don't go to I don't go to D.C. that much, but I go probably more often than most people. And I was just telling someone this story, and I cannot remember who it was, someone that's going to go to D.C. for the first time. And I remember telling them the story. I said, every time I go to D.C., I take the metro um, because they did it the right way. They put it underground. I took I take the metro and you get off on the National Mall station and they have these really long escalators to take you up to the, to the ground level. And you ride the escalator up, and when you get off the escalator, you turn to your left, and you're right there at the National Mall. It is an incredible view. To your right is the Capitol Building and the Rotunda, and to your left is the Washington Monument, and then you see the World War II Memorial, the Reflecting Pool. Way off in the distance is the Lincoln Memorial. If you're looking kind of straight ahead and off to your left, you know, just a little, you know, if you're looking straight ahead, one of the Smithsonian Museums is there, but off in the distance is the White House. And as an American, I, my, I, I tear up every time I go. Um, when I've been in the Capitol building and I've been so blessed to be able to get a really comprehensive tour of the Capitol and go in some places that most people don't ever get to see. It's an amazing place to go into Statuary Hall and see the medallions on the floor. So you're hearing from someone right now that has a deep love for that building and what it stands for for all Americans. So to see people, I don't care what political party they're from, storm into that Capitol building and become idiots like they were. Um, And the vast majority of people stayed outside. They didn't go in. And the vast majority of people that went in were just idiots. Some of them just walked around and took pictures. There were people that did acts of vandalism. But there was a group of people that had an agenda. There were a group of people that were going to stop the certification of the election. And that's who these Oath Keepers are. That's, and I don't know anybody that's an Oath Keeper. I'm not, I don't know any of the people that are in the organization. But if you're going to try to stop what was the peaceful transfer of power because you just you did it the wrong way they did it the wrong way um and it shouldn't have happened so people need to pay a price and americans should stand in solidarity listen all the people that are on the right side of the aisle in, in the january 6th thing that are making some kind of a defense you know that and and i made the defense the only real defense that anybody has is that a the vast majority of people stayed outside that's my big problem with this i am in agreement with the black lives matter protests that have turned violent all across the country i made sure i went on the air and said this is not the core of the black lives matter movement the people that just want their voices heard in the streets the peace marchers that we saw here in Phoenix. I don't agree with them. Don't agree with them at all. But they were peaceful. They were peaceful. It's the people that join in with them that meet out acts of violence. But they made sure they kept saying mostly peaceful protests, mostly peaceful protests. Well, that's what we saw on January 6th, mostly peaceful, because the vast majority of people, either as angry as they were, stayed outside of that building. But you can't you can't get away from the fact that a bunch of people that agree with us politically went into that building and did damage. 
Now, I look at them, and to me, they look like the bar scene from Star Wars. And the day that I'm worried about the guy wearing the Fred Flintstone uh, water buffalo hat and a loincloth and painting his face, and I'm worried about him overtaking our government, then our government's pretty weak if that guy's in charge of the overtake. But he was standing there and screaming and had his feet up on the desk and put a warning out to the vice president. And then he cried from jail and said he needed his mom had to call the jail to make sure he got his food because his tummy was sensitive. So, let, you know, let's let's not lose sight of some of this. But when they bring out facts and they show that there was a group of people that truly were trying to stop the the peaceful transfer of power, they have to be dealt with. They broke the law. And I say – I mean – I've said this about other groups. I said if you're someone that is on the other side of this for me, you should be angrier than I am. Well, I think people on our side of the aisle should be the angriest about that behavior that day because it makes everybody look bad. Everybody out there that's listening right now that doesn't necessarily like what I'm saying, that still has your MAGA hat, that you still walk around, you still believe that Trump won, you have your Trump flags, you have your Trump T-shirts, you still go to Trump rallies, but you are just a normal citizen that thought he was a good president and you don't like – the fact you don't like what happened to him you're lumped in whether you like it or not by the behavior of people that were there on january 6th you should be angry about their actions that people are accusing you of being just like that that's where the problem lies so i'm glad that this has gotten handled and hopefully we can move forward and we're not going to talk about this anymore as far as as a nation we don't have to worry about people doing something like this again Culture wars in public schools. We're going to talk about that next. Oh, uh, strong values and strong oh, opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Apologize uh, for the music choice that you're hearing right now. No, that isn't a 14 year old girl. I believe that's Justin Bieber. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm sorry to say that of all the great attributes to producer Julia, she turns out to be a believer, and uh, I'm a little disappointed. I gotta say. That's so sad. How are you so disappointed in me? Listen to that. This song came out when I was in fifth grade. Oh, that's even sadder. Now, now be quiet. <laughs> you made me a whole different kind of depressed. Uh, we were having, we were discussing Justin Bieber, and so Julia just decided this would be funny because I'll be honest. I remember hearing this song maybe part of it. I've never heard a Justin Bieber song. A whole one, anyway. I've been proud of that fact up until right now. Um, how old was he when he did this song? About? I don't know, like 14. I was going to say, because he sounds like he hasn't really gone through the change yet. I mean, no. Okay, all right, all right. Okay, we can turn it off now because people's ears are bleeding. Um, thanks for the, not, thanks for tuning in, and I promise you that that won't ever happen again. Um, I don't think we'll ever find a place for a Justin Bieber rejoiner again. Um, back to a serious topic. We talked earlier about culture wars in public schools. Um, we've got to take a comprehensive look at a lot of different things. We are, have a teacher shortage. Uh, when I talk about an officer shortage in the police, and I, I compare the two because I think the two are both a calling. Neither group does the job for the money, although you've got to pay them. 
Uh, I think, and it's not just a pay issue. When it comes to law enforcement and the shortages we've seen in the last few years, it's a lack of respect for the job of policing that police officers are feeling from not just from citizenry, because they know who the citizens are and the vast majority of them that do support them. They know who the people in the communities are, the criminals that don't like them and, and treat them poorly. They're ready for that. They're used to that. But when the management, when whether it's police management or city management doesn't have their back, when they have to look over their shoulders, when they have to second guess every move they make because they're going to end up losing their jobs for some reason when they're just trying to stay safe. Um, there, there are other issues in policing that make the job undesirable for many people. Teaching is no different. So this culture war, it's an NPR story that says school principals say the culture war made last year, here's their quote, rough as hell. We understand there have been major changes. You know, it's one of the areas that I would say when we're assessing the elections, there's one area where we saw a lot of changes, and that is in school districts. Because when people started pushing back against school boards and questioning curriculum and questioning policy, it wasn't so much that they were disagreed with. They were disrespected, not in all districts, but in many. We know that it happened. We know that there were some school districts that told parents basically sit down, shut up, we'll take care of the education. The National School Board Association called parents showing up at meetings domestic terrorists. They asked the FBI to intervene. As far as I know, no acts of violence or anything like that. Imagine, I want you to, let's go back to the policing thing. We have, I've seen, I've seen meetings I watched online. I wasn't at those meetings. I've watched meetings and seen disturbances where the Black Lives Matter movement has showed up and they shouted people down. They do this thing called mic check. If you haven't heard it, whenever someone's trying to talk that's opposite of their views, everybody in that group yells mic check and they shout you down so that even on the microphone, when it's your two minutes to speak, you can't speak. If somebody on one of the, uh, one of the, um, let's say the Phoenix City Council were to call the people in that room a domestic terrorist. Can you imagine the fallout that would happen? So we know that this happened. There were changes in school districts, but there is a culture war going on within the education system. That's why many parents are happy about the school choice changes in Arizona. It's why charter schools are so possible are so popular, homeschooling, micro schools, because there is a culture war. But if you want to address the teacher shortage, you really want to attract more people into the profession or better yet, keep seasoned teachers in the profession. Yes, you've got to pay them. No doubt about that. You've got to pay them. But you also got to let them teach. And you also have to make sure that they are in control of the classroom. You know, if and, you know, we're all raised differently. But when it came to how I was raised, if I had an issue with a teacher, I brought it to my parents. They addressed it with the teacher. Disrespect of a teacher was never tolerated. I wasn't a disrespectful student. In high school, I was just a bad student. I was a class clown. I, I, I wanted to grow up too fast. I've told this story too many times. And I just was not a good student. But I wasn't a bad kid. I wasn't a violent kid. I wasn't someone that was causing trouble. I wasn't a danger. And there are kids in schools today that are just that. They are dangerous. They're not just dangerous to other students. They're dangerous to teachers. There's a story out of Gwinnett County in Georgia where there was a student that was reprimanded by a teacher. They got a, a bad performance review, a classroom review from a teacher, and this te he knocked this teacher out. He hit him, knocked him to the ground, and kept punching him until another student intervened. It's all on video. All on video. And this kid needs to be expelled. He needs to go to jail. He needs to get battery charges leveled against him. He needs a criminal record. Whether it's a, you know, a, a juvenile record or not, he needs a criminal record. And he needs to be expelled from the school, period. End of story. 
we know, and I've heard from many teachers, when all of the conversation was going on around Phoenix and whether or not they were going to have school resource officers, school resource officers were pulled out of the city of Phoenix, out of the Phoenix Union High School District, because some students didn't feel safe, and I'm doing the air quotes, around police officers. Well, which segment of society is that? Because most people realize that having the police around stop crimes from happening. So now you've got kids, and I'm hearing this from teachers. It's not firsthand knowledge. It's secondhand knowledge. I've been hearing from teachers that the good students don't feel safe. Nobody wants to walk around the halls because it's being run by people that are criminals and people that are violent. And teachers are afraid for their safety. Can you imagine making the small amount of money they do? Having to try to have bigger and bigger class sizes where they're suffering through that, all of those complaints are legitimate. And on top of that, being worried about your safety. If you give a kid a bad review or a bad grade, that there may be violence um, against you. It's got to change. This culture war in school has got to change. And reasonable people need to get back in. And these people need to be dealt with. Coming up in a moment, we talk about the border. Uh, The president of the United States is going to be here on Tuesday. Why isn't he visiting the border? And when asked, when asked, the press secretary made a big mistake. We'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. And thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Green Jean-Pierre, the uh, press secretary of the White House, was asked by Peter Ducey um, if the president is going to RSVP to the invite by not not by our governor, but by um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, the invite to go down to the border. And she said that the president's already been to the border. He has not. Certainly not as president of the United States. He has not. The vice president has gone once. This has been one of the biggest failures of this administration. Again, the politics of this always comes out. I'm conservative talk radio. I'm not going to agree with this. I'm supposed to be this. This is not a conservative issue. This is not a right versus left issue. This is a right versus wrong issue. Um, I have been to the border, not just in Arizona, but down in Texas. I've done humanitarian things. We brought supplies down to McAllen, Texas. I believe it was in 09, a group of us. I was down there with Glenn Beck and some other people where we just brought supplies down there and we wanted to see for ourselves what it looked like to have tens of thousands of unaccompanied minors cross the border into South Texas and how they were handling it. And it was it was shocking. It was absolutely shocking to see. And the issue for me on all of this is um, that nothing is being done, that that it's worse now than it's ever been. It is about um, I guess the issue for me was during the Trump administration, there, there was a, a, a great decrease in illegal border crossings. But people said it was inhumane treatment of people, separated families. And what's interesting about it is part of – and the narrative – I disagree with the narrative. And what I mean by that is they showed kids in cages – being covered by those, you know, flimsy, looks like hospital, you know, not, not even blankets, um, and that these kids were in cages. The problem with that is I saw those cages. Those cages were built by the Obama administration. So if they were horrible treatment of children when it was Trump that was in power, the pictures were not even of the Trump administration. They, those pictures were taken by the Arizona Republic during 
or at least they were published by the Arizona Republic. Um, they were they were taken during the Obama administration. They were attributed to Trump. Now, I don't expect people to change their opinions on the former president, either former president. Um, but you got to you got to put blame where blame belongs. If, if it was horrible, if it was a horrible thing for President Trump to, to put those kids in those cages, then conversely, it was also horrible for President Obama to do it in the first place. But it's worse now than it's ever been. There is no way that you can say that the treatment of human beings at the border has become more humane under this president. It's not more humane for the people that live in – that are Americans that live in border towns. It is not more humane for the people that are crossing the border. The only people that are benefiting at all in any way from what's happening at our southern border are the cartels, the only ones. So I want you to I want you to hear very quickly. This is Corrine Jean-Pierre talking with Peter Ducey about the president and the border. Thank you, Corrine. Uh, Kevin McCarthy says that he invited President Biden down to the border. How does the president RSVP? <laughs> we know we know the president's never been down to the border. The possible next speaker says that he wants him to go with him. So is he going to? So look, uh, he's been there. He's been to the border, uh, and since he took office, when, when did he go to the border? Since he took office, the president Biden has been uh, taking action to fix our immigration system and secure our border. And that's why on day one he put forward an, an immigration uh, immigration reform, a piece of legislation. Uh, to deal with uh, what is currently happening at the border. So this is where I, I say to my friends on the other side of the aisle from me, I have done my best to be transparent, um, talk about the shortcomings of my party. And my dis- I, I'm public about my disagreements with the audit that happened here in Arizona, my disagreements with, with delaying the certification of the election. I've said that we need to move on. I've talked about a lot of these different things. And it may not, um, it may not be as strong enough for some people, but I have called out my own party for a number of times for the places where I disagree. And I do a lot of things behind the scenes where I talk to people about my disagreement. But my job is to publicly tell you what my opinion Opinions are, and I have not always been straight down the line in agreement with my party. When my party makes mistakes, when there is somebody that makes a policy mistake that I don't agree with, I call them out. I, I've been very transparent about the fact that I admire our governor. I, I, I admire Governor Ducey very much, but I had big disagreements about the handling of COVID nineteen, especially the lack of information and the lack of talking to people during shutdowns. You know, and, and so I don't think that it's damaged a relationship that I have. You know, I have a casual friendship with the. I'd never be presumptuous enough as to call him my friend, but I have a relationship with him, and I don't think I've damaged that because I tried to be respectful in my disagreement. But now is the time for people on the other side of the aisle, the ones that the president will listen to, because you'll vote for him. I won't. president doesn't care what I think. He doesn't care what I think. I'm on the other side of the political aisle, and he's never getting my vote. But he does care what you think. You live in a border state. It's affecting all of us here in the state of Arizona. You know our biggest trading partner as a state is Mexico. We have a great relationship with the Mexican people. We have a great relationship with Mexico, business and otherwise. The problem here is the cartels. That fentanyl that's pouring across our border, most of it at the ports of entry because they're overwhelmed and not able to do their jobs. We are seeing people sneaking around the border walls. There are criminals that are coming here. There are people on the terror watch list that are coming here. And until people in the president's party stand up and call him out, it's not going to change. And that's what needs to happen. And I don't know if they will. 
We know that Mark Kelly said when I disagree with it, but I, I want to, you know, let's let's see some action. Let's see. Uh, let's see Senator Kelly and let's see Senator Cinema stand up and say we've got to have definite changes at the border and we are going to start making some noise until it happens. That would be refreshing. What we're going to do just after 11 o'clock is we're going to go back and talk about the election, as I just talked about a moment ago. What are the ramifications of not certifying the election? We'll talk about it next.